So, good morning, everyone. Um, I, uh, my name is Nathan, as Dave probably just indicated by saying good morning, Nathan. Um, and I'm one of the, very privileged actually, to be one of the elders at Gateway, for those who weren't aware. In fact, sorry, just on a side note, actually, I looked this up, because uh, when Nicola said that about our hearts beat, heartbeat synchronising when we sing, um, it just reminded me of this passage in Acts 4 where it says, all the believers were one in heart. Isn't it fantastic that actually when we're singing, we are one heart, we're of one, one heart? Um, it sounds like we literally are as well as um, figuratively. Um, so I've got the privilege, if you wouldn't mind, um, please, Nick, I'm popping up, thank you, the first slide. Um, I've got the privilege this week, oh, sorry, apologies, um, the privilege this week of speaking on one of the things of Gateway being family. And one of the things I've been very impressed with, actually, over the last few weeks has been how people, the elders so far, have taken such wide topics as Jesus and so on and made them, sort of narrowed them down into something that applies very directly to Gateway and really sort of moulded something out of what is actually an immense topic. I could speak about family for hours. You'll be relieved to know I'm not going to, but I could do. Um, and one of the difficulties for me was actually how do I narrow this down? Because it is such a huge topic. And the other guys have done such a good job that I genuinely felt quite a lot of pressure over this because I was thinking, how on earth am I going to do as good a job as they've done? And really the trigger for me was um, about a week ago, last Sunday, it just was not coming together at all, I'll be honest. It really wasn't working out. Um, Rachel's parents had taken the kids off our hands for, the, for Sunday afternoon, um, and we'd, I, we'd had some time to get on with work, and I'd really focused in on this, thinking, I, I'm really going to break the back of this this evening, uh, this afternoon. Didn't get anywhere, made no progress. You know, I did do some stuff, but it was, it was useless. I was really unhappy with it. Um, anyway, I then on Monday, got a text from my boss, who isn't around very much at the moment, but he's a very committed follower of Christ. And I'd texted him earlier on to just keep him updated with what was going on at work. And I'd said in it some, an issue that I'd been dealing with, which was quite tricky. And his text came through just saying, I'm really sorry, your week ended that way, brother. And I thought, oh, never had my boss refer to me as brother before. Kind of odd. And it just got me thinking about this. And it gave me sort of a way in, I suppose, just the fact that he texted me saying, calling me his brother. Because, you see, one of the most commonly used metaphors for church is that we are like a family. But when you look into this in detail as regards what the Bible says about this, it doesn't say that we're like a family. It doesn't say it at all, actually. What it says is that we are literally a family. We are a family. We're not like a family. It's not a metaphor. We are a family. And in fact, we at Gateway have chosen to be distinctive in this. In fact, the, the descriptor that we use is that we are a welcoming family where everyone can belong. It doesn't say we're like a welcoming family where everyone can belong. We are literally a welcoming family where everyone can belong. And it's a bit like this body of folk that you see around you. Don't worry, I'm not going to get you to turn to each other and call each other brother or sister like Caleb would. I'm resisting. I've resisted the temptation, okay? Really resisted. And we're doing at least one of those a week. And Bethany turned to me last or a couple of weeks ago and went, is this ever not awkward? Uh, um, I thought, no, it's never not awkward. Um, so it's a bit like this body is our immediate family. And actually, our brothers and sisters in Christ elsewhere around the world are our extended family. Because we are all family, whether those folk are present or not, a bit like our current families probably aren't here in many cases. Nonetheless, they're still family, whether they're present or not. And in fact, it actually says in Ephesians, we are no longer foreigners and strangers. We are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We are 
children of God. We are, as with Christ, we are people who are together as one, as part of that family. And there's loads of passages throughout the Bible that reinforce that message. So I decided to go for an angle on this of, okay, so we are family, but what does this family give us? What do we get from this family when we join it? We've welcomed um, uh, a family and um, uh, an individual into membership today. What do they get out of being part of this family? Well, first of all, they get, I'm sorry about this, it should say one another, but I, as you know, all my sermons have to start with the same letter. They have to be three points, and they all start with the same letter. So I decided it had to be, instead of one another, it has to be another, so that all of them can start with a, okay? It originally, they all started with S, but it didn't work, so I had to go down this route, but it is a little bit of a fix, I appreciate. Okay, so we do get one another. And in fact, there are heaps of passages throughout the New Testament in particular, but there are one or two in the Old Testament as well that talk about what we get as regards one another. It says in John 13, people will know that we follow Jesus if we love one another. It's actually a sign, it's a witness to who Jesus is, to who God is when we love one another. Galatians 6 says, bear one another's burdens. Galatians 5 says, serve one another. James 5, pray for one another that you may be healed. 1 Thessalonians 5, encourage one another and build one another up. Okay, it was one of Rachel and my uh, jokes a while back when we realized that the banter between us was probably a little too strong in, at, at points, that actually we would, one of us would start humming, build me up, buttercup, as an indication of, uh, so it sort of became our song, didn't it, Ray? In a kind of odd way. Um, to, to remind each other that we should be building one another up. We're meant as a church, as a body, to be building one another up, encouraging one another. Colossians 3 says, teach, in fact it goes, it goes on a different angle this one actually, it's quite interesting because it does say in Colossians 3, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. So it isn't just the real positives there, like 2 Corinthians 13 says comfort one another, there's actually an element of this which is actually about driving one another on, pushing one another on to, to become closer to God, to become more Christ-like. Hebrews 10, stir up one another to love and good work. Good works. James 5, again, confess your sins to one another. I'm very aware that in the church there are some accountability groups who really do seem to do that quite a bit on a very personal, individual level. Terrific. That's really what we should be doing according to James 5. Ephesians 4, be kind to one another, forgiving one another. Proverbs 27, one sharpens another. So all of these things are things that we get from being part of this church, from being part of this body. That's what we get from the family. But that phrase, one another, is not just about what we get, it's about what we give as well, obviously, isn't it? That actually this is a mutual thing that we're all doing to each other. In fact, I asked my life group a couple of weeks ago just what their experience was of Gateway as family. And one of the responses was that one of the strongest senses of the family side of things is that they've always felt, as a couple, as a family within this church, their own individual family, they've always felt there's been someone to go to for advice who has been that next stage further on as regards their own family, their children, for example. And they said one of the ironies now is that they are the couple that everyone is now coming to to get advice from. Okay? Because that's the nature of one another, ing if you like, to create a verb out of it. Because actually, what you benefit from, you will also give. You are blessed to be a blessing, to bless one another. 
In fact, my own experience here, I've been at Gateway since, I think it was about 1998, so I had never been part of a church before, or properly part of a church, embedded in a church, before I joined this one. And my experiences of church were not that great, actually, to be honest, before that. However, this church has been a revelation of the years. One of my favorite examples of one anothering was um, after Leah, our eldest, was born. We were living just on Croftside, just down the road next to Wakeham Green. And one night we were, be- we were washing Leah as a tiny baby in the sink upstairs. And we heard a load of noise downstairs. We thought, what on earth is going on downstairs? You know when you kind of approach it kind of nervously because you're thinking, there's someone in the house. Not really sure what's going on. And sort of tentatively, Rachel said, I'm staying up here. And I said, right, I've got to be... <laughs> Got to be the man of the house, okay, fine. No cricket bat nearby, but I'll go downstairs. Um, went downstairs, searched around the downstairs, couldn't find anyone. But what I did find was a casserole dish full of food sat on the oven. Didn't find out for a week or two who that came from, but Jackie Aidy, who lived three doors down, had just come into our house as a friend and left a casserole of tea on the side for us there. So although I wasn't quite sure how to take that initially, actually... <laughs> That was a terrific example of one anothering. We were really being looked after by Jackie and by other members of the church. I remember when we first moved into that house, George, you probably don't remember this, but you came round and helped me strip the walls of that, uh, of that living room. All sorts of things that have been done over the years to bless us and that we have been able to bless others with as well. It's one of the amazing things about this church. And one thing I can't emphasize enough, it's one of the really good things about talking about family this morning is that actually there there are so many positives to talk about as regards this church and how you have been a family to us. So thank you to all of you who have contributed in such a great way. And to be honest, one of the really terrific things recently has been these interviews that Caleb has instigated up the front here with various members of our family, hearing from them what sorts of things they're doing in the community. They are our brothers and sisters, and they are doing all these amazing things. One of the things Rachel pointed out on one of Nicola's photos was, you said that she just looked across and went, that's one of our neighbours who was on there. And we had no idea that there was another connection with another member of our family. Isn't that brilliant? So all sorts of things that we are doing and ways we're contributing to our family. So that's the first point. The second point is we get a name. For those of you who don't know, I'm a teacher and my surname is Bully. (laughs) It's interesting, put it that way. In fact, my very first email address that I was ever given by the head of IT at Fulford School when I started teaching there 20-odd years ago was my email address, he thought this was hilarious, was the.bully at Fulford School. (laughs) Thanks for that. Great. He did get told to change it quite quickly. Um, However, I I have to say, actually, one of my great claims to fame is that, uh, you know, Metro, the free um, newspaper that you get, they occasionally have a segment called, it's a very small bit, but it says, Names Really Appropriate to Jobs. And my boss and I got a special mention in Metro once because his name was Mr. Sheriff and my name was Mr. Bully. And they said Sheriff and Bully for two senior leaders in a school were absolutely spot on. But one of the things about my name is, it has really formed who I am. Not because, as one student put it recently, (laughs) I am a bully by name as well as by nature. I can assure you, well, I don't think that's the case anyway. Some of you might think differently. Um, But it is a name that I'm quite proud of, and I'm very reluctant to leave behind because it's so different and because it's so much a part of me. It's part of my identity, my reputation. Much of who I am, good and bad, is connected to that name. 
And the thing is, as a church, we've inherited a name too, haven't we? We have inherited the name of Christian. We are one of God's family. Oh, sorry, back. We are one of God's family. So now if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We are Christians because that is our name as regards who we belong to. And it's one of the interesting things that this marks us as part of that wider family. But being part of Gateway marks us as a particular almost type of Christian, doesn't it? If you go to Gateway, there's a reputation, there's an identity caught up with that. Which church you go to helps to define you. If you meet another Christian, for example, all those of us who are going to Devoted, when we go to Devoted, if we meet folk from other New Frontiers, or sorry, apologies, Christ Central, got to get it right, uh, Christ Central churches in the summer, they'll say to you, which church do you go to? It's one of the first questions that they ask. And when you say Gateway in York, that gives a certain definition or a box, really, in some ways, for who you are. In a good way, you would hope, and certainly from our reputation that we hear of in the local community, it is a very good reputation, actually. So if you say you go to Gateway, that has a whole box or a whole identity bound up with it. Because that's part of who you are. In fact, a while back, I signed up for, I don't know if you've come across YouGov, they do a lot of polling these days before elections and so on, but one of the things they do is they also poll about brands and what people think of different brands. And I have to admit, I gave up on doing this years ago because YouGov got very irritating with the number of times they asked you to respond to this uh, in order to, because it's now a very commercial thing for them, make a lot of money out of it. Um, but they ask certain questions about brands. And a couple of questions, would you recommend a specific brand to a friend, or would you tell them to avoid it? And you rank it one to 10 in terms of how well, how much you'd be willing to recommend it to a friend or whether you wouldn't. And then the second question they asked, would you be proud or embarrassed to work for that brand? And I, saw, I just got me thinking about what would you say about Gateway? If somebody said to you, would you recommend Gateway to a friend? It's kind of an indicator of the value, the reputational value of Gateway to you depending on what your response is. If you wouldn't, then probably you aren't here, to be honest. Probably you're here because you would recommend this church to a friend, because it is of that level of value to you. And also, in terms of whether you would be proud or embarrassed to work for Gateway, it's really interesting. They put place, YouGov, when they do their polling, place a huge amount of value on this in terms of whether you would actually be proud or embarrassed to work for a certain organization. And again, you would hope that as part of the reputation of Gateway, part of your um, uh, sort of almost the name that Gateway has, you would be very proud to work for this church, whether it's volunteering, as in unpaid work, or paid work. So actually, your answers in relation to Gateway to those two questions probably say a huge amount about how much that name that I was just referring to means to you as part of this family. The third point to make is that we get a role of some description. That may be an actual job. It may not be. It may just be a role. And as we've just had Christmas, it really got me thinking. Because I saw something recently that stereotypes relations at Christmas. Now, this is not meant in a harsh way, but you will probably be able to identify with this. On the website I was looking at, it actually said, which one are you? Well, I'm not asking you to identify which one you are of these. However, you probably can reach some kind of a conclusion about who some of the others are, uh, because we all, I've chosen four that I can definitely, within my family, know. I know who exactly I would put with these. The first one is this one. This is the stylish aunt. 
She always has a glass of wine on the go, always gets it refilled, but one of the massive positives about her is she'll always laugh at your jokes. Now, I definitely, and Rachel knows exactly who I mean, I definitely have a relation exactly like that. And she always laughs at my jokes, so she is my favorite relative at the moment. <laughs> Nobody else laughs at my jokes, but she does, so I'm very blessed by that. Um, th then you've got this one. This is the gran who never leaves the kitchen. You kind of feel guilty, because it's Christmas after all, but she's an amazing cook, so you really don't want to discourage her from doing that, because actually it's terrific that she's willing to and that she's so committed to that. And again, I would probably put my mum in that category without a doubt. She's extremely committed to our well-being over Christmas without a doubt. This one I can identify with. This is the sofa politician. <laughs> the sofa politician has an opinion on everything. Generally speaking, not very well informed. That's probably me, to be fair. Although, although I maintain that I am quite well informed, so it's okay. But I, I do have an opinion on everything, so possibly not. Um, last one. This is the unpaid babysitter. The younger relative who is left to entertain all of the little ones, generally on the kids' table. And without a shadow of a doubt, that actually is our Leah. Poor Leah, at the age of 13, is always left to entertain all her cousins who are significantly younger than her and just gets left to it because we can kind of trust her and uh, we can chat. So actually, great, crack on, Leah. Um, but she is fantastic at doing it, so we feel, and she enjoys it, we think. Um, so therefore, it's okay. Um, never really asked, actually, now I think about it, but it might be, it might be a plan for next Christmas. Check, check in with her, just see if it is the case. So, just as with these sort of stereotype relatives, all of these guys have got roles, haven't they? Okay, in many ways. And if you stick around long enough at Gateway, hopefully not too long, you will find that you get, you get a role. You almost take on a role. Or you'll get given a job, maybe both. Just like with Christmas hosting. At Christmas hosting, you may well be the washer-upper. You may be the turkey cooker. You may be the paper reader. Okay, I think Rachel, without a shadow of a doubt, is the tidier-upper. I pride myself actually on being the paper reader. I think, uh, yeah, okay, that's not great really, I'll be honest. But uh, nonetheless, I will, I, I've started to make vows that I will contribute more at Christmas. But nonetheless, that everybody sort of takes on a role, don't they, at Christmas time. And the fact is that if you don't find a role or a job at Gateway, then actually it's it will become more and more difficult to become part of the family. In fact, I was talking to some friends of mine recently who um, set up a church, and they found that loads of people kept joining and then leaving quite quickly. The turnover in their church was quite significant, and they couldn't work out why it was, because it was an amazing church, fantastic worship, great words from the front, real community feel, and they were, just, they were really questioning why this was. Why was it there was just this constant churn of people coming in and going out? And when they started asking people, they said they realized that the reason was those people said, there's nothing for me to do here. That actually everything was done by a certain group of people who contributed a huge amount, thought they were serving immensely, but actually other people were saying, well, there's not really a role for us. There's no jobs for us to do. So actually, I don't really feel like I could be part of it. So actually, if you want to be part of it, get stuck in, get involved. In fact, one of the other pieces of feedback from our life group was that actually part of the reason we feel like a family is that we often call on one another before we call on family. Because actually, A, geographically we're probably closer together, but B, we know as part of our commitment to each other that we are bought in, that we are signed up and we will muck in to help each other. 
And in fact, one of the things that struck me when I was preparing this is, um, Rachel and I, many years ago, made a decision very intentionally to stay at Gateway, partly because of the cross-generational element to this church. We have people of all ages in this church. We don't go for one demographic like some do and say, we're just going to go for young people, or we're just going to go for the elderly, or we're just going to go for the middle-aged, or we're just going to go for a certain class, or whatever. We are all sorts here, guys. Okay? And it's a massive positive. In fact, one of the, uh, on a very selfish note, one of the real benefits is that if you need something doing or you want advice about something, there is, generally speaking, someone in this church you can speak to who will be very well informed about that thing. So actually, there's a huge advantage to that cross-generational dimension as well. And that's family. And if you don't get given a job or a role... Rachel always used to say this to me, actually, when I used to come home from church, whinging that, I don't know, someone hadn't talked to me or hadn't made an effort. And Rachel would say, well, what did you do about that? Because actually, quite often, it's the choices we make that impact on whether we feel part of that family or not. It's far too, I find it, honestly, I find it far too easy to blame everyone else if that hasn't gone the way that I wanted it to. But actually, part of the reason we say that this is a family where you can belong and not where you do belong is because it's not automatic. Actually, it takes effort, it takes commitment, and it takes a desire to try to be part of that family as well. It's about you and your contribution just as much, again, it's that one anothering thing, just as much as it's about anyone else's effort, commitment, and desire to try. So be a part of the family by joining in and participating, contributing. That's the way that you will feel part of this community. It's a bit obvious, but it's worth saying. So just to finish off, and if the band would like to start coming back up, just to finish off, I'm just going to describe Rachel's family and my family. Okay? Now this, you'll be pleased to know, is not a dig at Rachel. I know that's quite rare okay, in your experience of my sermons. This isn't a dig at Rachel's family, and there's no right or wrong to this. You can draw your own conclusions about what you think of it. But many Christmases ago, when Rachel and I first started going out, Rachel came to visit my family for Christmas. It was a bit of a revelation, shall we say. Because at Rachel's household, or Rachel's family at Christmas, what happens is Christmas lunch generally is about 3 o'clock. Up until that point, everyone sits in the lounge chatting, talking, playing board games, and then you have Christmas lunch, and then you carry on with chatting, talking, playing games, all the rest of it. My household, it turns out, when you come back to our house, or you come downstairs after Christmas lunch, it's in silence. There's nobody around. And when you try and find out where everyone is, it turns out they've all gone up to their bedrooms to read a book for a bit. Because my family are quite introverted. Rachel's family are quite extroverted. And the point I'm making is there's no right or wrong about that. Okay? What there is, and this is the conclusion for us as a church, is that actually we need to watch out for one another because we've all got such different experiences and expectations of family. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different histories and contexts that we're coming from. So actually, it's so important that actually we watch out for one another to make sure that actually we display compassion and forgiveness to one another because quite often the way we relate to one another will be not dictated by, but certainly influenced by our previous experiences. So just to leave you with this final passage Okay? Therefore, this is us, as God's chosen people, as gateway, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear 
with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Be one-hearted. Thank you. Over to you guys.